piece of shit. <laughs> everybody, welcome to the Dime Bat Podcast. I am Tyler, joined tonight by Kevin Meacham. Hey there. Hey, hey. And Megan Bard. Hello. Hello. I'm Peter Bard. Yo. Hey. And the Dime Bat Podcast, as always, is brought to you by Homefield Apparel, crafters of beautiful, comfortable, vintage-inspired garments. They make them for UConn and, allegedly, other schools. We'll never know. It's true. I um, have a Hawaii t-shirt. Fair enough. Let's Hawaii see. t-shirt rocks. We have lots of yes, home it's field. Great. Peter, which home field do you have on? I've got the uh, interlocking UC hoodie. That's good. That's the one, That's uh, one Rudy Gay, I believe, posted a pic of him in that same sweatshirt, which is just one more similarity between you and Rudy Gay. Rudy Who wore Gay. it better? Meet you have home field on. What do you got? I do. I got, uh, I got Lean and John. I have the classic happy good boy. What, I don't know what what is this? This is a crew neck sweatshirt. Yeah, yeah. It's not a hoodie. Uh-huh. It's like very it. circa like nineteen ninety four. Yeah, I love it. Everything about that sweatshirt is screams nineteen ninety four. Yeah, and I I have a hot scoop, which is mm-hmm. I have it on good hot authority. Tyler hot, scoop. hot Tyler hot scoop. That there's a there's a home field promo code coming this weekend for the Sweet Sixteen. Woo nice. boy! So if you've already bought some home field using code a dime back and gotten your twenty percent off, you might get another code this weekend so you can buy more home field. Maybe I'll buy the sweet Hawaiian shirt. There you go. So you can check a dime back this weekend for uh, a sponsored post, which is the only content we do anymore. <laughs> is home field sponsored post and um, podcast. And, and you can go to adimeback.com slash home field. Uh, if you haven't bought anything, use the code DIMEBACK, 20% off your first order. And if you have, wait till Saturday or Sunday because we got a new code coming. All right. So let's start with the happy stuff. Let's start with the UConn women who advanced to the Sweet 16 for the 428th consecutive season. They are now preparing to face the far inferior Iowa Hawkbirds uh, this weekend. <laughs> What um? Do you guys have any big uh big picture takeaways? We should call them. We should call them the Iowa Buckeyes. That would piss off <laughs> two fans. <laughs> also, might be true, and you have no way of proving otherwise. Um, no. Do you guys have any uh, before we get into the Iowa game? Do you guys have any takeaways from the the first two games? Any big picture uh, thoughts? We should probably discuss the NCAA's abject failure to appropriately promote and provide for. 50% of their athletes, well, really more than 50%, but also especially 50%. That's a strong point, uh, considering the fact that they did not provide a weight room for the women. And, you know, I feel like the thing that we haven't talked about enough or that hasn't been talked about enough, but I think is actually like, like a lot of it has been focused on the actual like experience. And that's important, like the swag bag and all of that. But the fact that they weren't providing photographers or transcription service for the first two rounds for the women, like that means you're saying we are not expecting the media to cover this and we are not going to in any way, shape or form, make it possible for them to do so. And like, you know, you bitch and moan and say like, oh, that doesn't make enough money, which first of all, that is your own fault for selling it to ESPN for not enough money. Like fuck up number one, you should be getting more money out of this tournament because every single game is on television. The There are going to be two games on Saturday and two games on Sunday on ABC. If you aren't getting paid, that is your own fucking fault for not valuing your product highly enough. Like, you don't respect women, and now your your pockets are smaller because you're stupid and sexist and incompetent. It's but, hard to imagine Mark Emmert pissing away other people's money. But, <laughs> shocking, uh, right? 
but like the fact that they have this product that they are not providing for they're they're actively getting in their own way to prevent it from growing like right. the media will not cover this if you do not provide pictures and access to the transcripts for the press conference like this is basic shit yeah I'm mad. I, the, can you tell i'm mad that really blows my mind is just not using the March Madness branding. It's like just you're just deciding <laughs> it's going to be worse. They own There's it. Nothing, it's not like it costs anything. <laughs> right. And it's so I thought for a second maybe like CBS is saying, like, no, no, turns out their broadcast contracts and like the Wall Street Journal just reported on this, their contracts specifically provide for them to be able to use it. So this just bullshit is what this is. It is also like feels like classic uh, NCAA like self fuckery where like, their own uh, complacence in like s- promoting the women's product led directly to the biggest story about the women's tournament being how fucked the NCAA is. It's like all they had to do was just do a reasonable, reasonable amount of, of support to do their tournament. And the story would be like, Paige Beckers is the best player in America. But instead, they have to live through this like opening round news cycle about... Uh, how just fucking idiotic uh, and misogynist they are because they're idiots. When when you consider what the expectations broadly are for how people are going to treat women's athletes, that they manage to miss that staggeringly low bar to this unbelievable degree that it became this biggest story, there should be an award for fucking up at that level. Like, I can't even imagine. That's like the guy yeah. at Blockbuster that said, no, we don't want to buy Netflix for $50 million. We are going to continue to only rent <laughs> movies in a building forever. <laughs> like, that's what we're talking about here. Like, how well, did you... Is, like, Muffet, as it pains me to show Muffet, but she I'm made trying to remember who said it, but yeah. That, like, she made the point that, like, women are used to getting less and they don't complain about it because they're, like, expect to get less this is known that they're going to get less but like they got so much less this time though also like honestly props to like the tiktok teens not wanting to just take this shit lying down like i know you know my mom was a like the very first generation title nine athlete and her older sister didn't have any opportunity to play sports at all full stop and my mom did and She's in her high school hall of fame and her sister was a better athlete and she never got a chance at all. So for like, it hasn't really been that long where women are just like grateful to have the opportunity to play at all. And I think we kind of like my generation was raised by those women. And like when I was in high school, we had to deal with the, you know, athletic director slash football coach who was pissed that he had to devote any resources to girls that he didn't think were athletes and didn't deserve it. So we took what we could get. Like you're used to getting table scraps and you take what you can get. So like shout to these girls who are not willing to take table scraps. Yeah, for real. And it just-, just was such a comical image of the weight room that was like literally something that like a casual per like I might have in my house. Everyone <laughs> bought one for the pandemic and didn't use it for six months. Like somebody brought that from home. Like someone was like, oh, I'll I'll bring the weights for the for the for the little girls. Does anybody have some yoga mats we could wipe down with some Lysol? Great. Perfect. That'll do for the first weekend. Then they're like, oh, we didn't have space. And the TikTok teens are like, no, no, no. Yes, you do. Sedona Prince, I should I should say her name. She she was the one uh, taking videos of this and also the revolting looking Salisbury steak. So first of all, who is feeding these women 
fucking hungry man dinners from 1985. I would, I would absolutely have like, eaten that Salisbury steak. Mm. <laughs> the gross the Peter is incredibly pro Salisbury steak, as we found out. I like in this I scandal. Never, I'll never forget this disgusting Salisbury steak I loved eating on an airplane once. It's but, revolting. Like, we shouldn't be giving it to real people. Like that's just for <laughs> for garbage people like me. <laughs> Yeah, especially like athletes that need to play a sport at a high level. Like you need real, real food. You need real food. Not having like a salad bar. Like, are you like just basic shit? Like they, you, you know, couldn't they, whip up some fucking pasta and marinara. Like this would not have been that complicated, guys. Or, or just better access to outside food. Like even that would be yeah, just somewhat somewhat reasonable. And let them order. I don't. There, just... there must be restaurants in San Antonio. I've never been, but I have to assume. Allegedly. Yeah. I'm still angry. I'm still mad about it. And I mean, be angry. The the thing that's just as galling is in the statements from the NCAA, NCAA and the, the different officials, it's so clear they didn't even think this would be a problem. No. Like, it's, it's not just that they gave them less. It's they didn't even think anyone would care. Well, Dan Gannett got called on that in the press conference and he was like, oh, I don't think there's a problem using the March Madness just for the men. And we're like, but there is. There is obviously a problem. I would love for him to explain why, like, and I've said, like, I don't really love the idea of branding the tournament March Madness. To me, that term meant something different. But if you're going to do it, I want to know why you think it has value to do it over here, but there's no reason to do it here. Because what is the difference? Like, why is it you're not paying any extra? What, do you got to paint some floors? Like, who gives a shit? And again, like, honestly, I probably wouldn't have noticed, but they fucked up on such a tremendous scale that as soon as the game clicks on and you see women's NCAA <laughs> tournament on the floor. No, 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 no. It's an NCAA tournament. women's basketball. Basketball, right. Because when we saw the, like, thing. Yeah, when we saw the swag to- bags... Megan was like, oh, the towels aren't even branded. They say women's basketball. Like, that is weird. And then I saw the floor. I'm like, oh, that's the branding. Women's basketball. It's just so like, it really without said, the like, context of the scandal, I might not have even noticed. But like having lived through like three days of the scandal and then like the image of the court clicks on, you're like, are you fucking kidding me? <laughs> well, it's just once, once was like, noticed. There's like, she's like, it's women playing basketball. I think people are aware. Like we don't need we don't line. need to write it on the court, you know. <laughs> but anyway, but I, we we touched on this a second ago. But I have to give a shout out to the San Antonio Spurs, who uh, several of their players arrived to their game the other day. So obviously, this is all happening in San Antonio, and they had a thread of players wearing women's basketball jersey. The first of which was like March Madness is in San Antonio, and one of them was Rudy Gay wearing a Rebecca Lobo jersey, which I thought was cool as hell. There was a Becky Hammond, we had a, a Cheryl Miller jersey. I forgot what the other one was, but I thought that was cool as hell, and it was like so clearly pointed right at the NCAA. And I was like, that's a that is a perfectly constructed shade, and I. I respect it. I think that that's a too. You're seeing the generational difference in like the old administrators versus mm-hmm. like the players, like the, their peers. You know, we we talked about Jalen Suggs the other day, going into that interview that? knowing he's going to get asked this question and wearing the WNBA jacket because sweatshirt that dope as hell, whatever it was. Yeah, <clears throat> I was I, I was thinking it was a windbreaker or something, but yeah. But anyway, and also it's super cool that Jalen Suggs and Paige Beckers are besties. I hope everyone caught that story this week. Or yeah, last I want to watch that sitcom. Yeah, like Jaylen, they Jaylen literally. Suggs, <laughs> 
I listened to there was like a podcast that accompanied it and they one of the guy asked her it was Katie Barnes wrote it it was like this sounds like that's like 90 sitcom where the neighborhood kid just like walks in and makes herself at home and like but it's Paige Beckers and she's like yeah no that like really was what it was like in their house <laughs> I think it was Renee Montgomery who uh said this during the broadcast but it is true it's like it does feel like the more that like AAU kind of like blurs these lines where all these kids are just playing in the same circuits over and over mm -hmm. again for years. Like it is really washing away the lines between men's and women's basketball. And I think just establishing the best athletes just go to the same places. So like, well, they're all like at Steph Curry's camps. They all yeah, know totally. each other. So it does feel like to your point about like generational differences in this, like I, I really don't think, the younger players, especially the elite players, see as much of a difference between the games anymore. So it would be nice Plus, if, uh, you know, the administrators figured mm -hmm. out how to uh, actually use that, especially in their never-ending quest to make money. Like, here's a good <laughs> chance to do the right thing and make a lot of money. Yeah. But the, also, like, consider when these kids grew up. Like, they grew up in the 2000s, and they were watching Diana Taurasi and Serena Williams and uh, Abby Wambach and all, all these very Simone. high profile what was that simone biles uh, there you go another one all these like very high high profile women's athletes so like the idea that this was lesser it's not just going to come to them naturally like you have to establish that so like it's you know our generation and older and obviously lesser our generation than older like this is yeah. the expectation that women's sports don't count which you see all of those people with their fucking comments every time there's a women's basketball story on Twitter. Um, fucking assholes. Yeah, they are terrible monsters. And then, but for the younger kids, like this was never, you know, these are real athletes. They've always been real athletes. So they still are. Let's just do it that way. And I think too, like when the kids are playing together, they see that these, the boys see that the girls are balling just as hard as they are. Like they work just as hard. And I think that's, you know, game respects game. Like, there's a reason that Steph Curry, like, can look across at, like, you know, Brianna Stewart or, you know, Kevin Durant can look at Brianna Stewart and go, like, she's awesome. She's really fucking good at her game. And, like, I can watch her and learn things from her. You know, like, there's there's no reason for me to look at her and think that she's less than. Her talent is just as valuable as mine. I also think young people uh, just watched boomers destroy uh, the world and yeah. just uh, less Fucking willing to uh, sit quietly and take their shit. Props. Props to Gen Z. You have terrible fashion sense, but uh, congratulations on being the activist generation. I respect the terrible fashion sense. Same. Stronger. I'm, I'm in favor of anything my youth overlords want to impose upon me. I do think it's hilarious that like I'm I'm an ex Xennial, so I'm like really a, a cusper here, but they are basically cosplaying as nineties teens now. Like this is this is what I wore in middle school. It's bizarre that it's back. You now. dressed up like a sixties hippie in middle school. No, that was high school. Mm, was it? It was. It was definitely. Yeah. Everything old is new again. <clears throat> All right. So let's talk about uh I, well, I guess we didn't really get to Yukon at all yet. But yeah. did, did you guys have any um, takeaways from the first two games or you want to jump right ahead and do a little preview of the Iowa game? I thought it fucking ruled that they just demolished Syracuse's zone. Like it took them like a quarter yeah. to, to figure it out. And then they realized they could just pass straight through it. And that high low game between Ono and 
Aaliyah Edwards, which was cool because Syracuse is a girl on the team who's six seven and like can move, like is a real player. I'm shocked that she chose to go to Syracuse, but you know, we all make mistakes. And I thought it was cool to see how very easily they were able to just make her completely ineffective uh and the zone completely ineffective like Paige's passing was like and they didn't even have nika they didn't even have one of their best ball handlers and passers and they still were like they say nothing yeah cardoso was the f- number five player in this class yeah she's got game on hoop girls no one else on that team does but she's got game no they don't they didn't impress me oh they actually have the, two top 10 the first the first quarter it was like and we talked about this. Like I always watch these uh, early tournament games or like conference games before it of like just trying to figure out how UConn's performance translates against one of the three important games they'll play to close the season. And I was, I, it was sketchy for that first quarter. And then, uh, as you said, Megan, like once they figured out the zone, it was amazing. Like that was super fun. <laughs> that third quarter was perfection. I think they are also uniquely suited to tearing apart a zone because everybody can pass. Yeah. Especially if, if Nelson Adota is not in there, you've got Edwards playing center. Everybody can really pass then. Though and honestly, Ono's is a great passer, especially in the high post. She got a t- she's been getting a lot of assists lately. I, I guess I just mean like moving in and out on the perimeter. Yeah. You know, if, if you've got Edwards and like Makarot, Westbrook, Williams and Beckers or replace one of them with Nika, everybody's a plus plus passer and you can do anything you want on offense. And a zone is going to be useless because they can just pass past you, especially since like the wide players in the zone are like six one, six two. Like yeah. how much of the passing lane are you really getting into there? Yeah. I thought they were really effective at like flashing onto to the free throw line or, you know, either Ono popping out or Edwards, like they just, and then they were just moving the ball like crazy. And eventually someone would, usually Paige would find some like absurd, absurd passing lane and just slide the ball through to someone wide open. And God, it was gorgeous. I swear she defies physics like once a game. Yeah. The angles she gets on those like baseline jumpers make no sense to me. It's like when you were playing NBA live on the N64 and it like would the physics would glitch and like the ball would go through the backboard and go in the hoop. Like that's kind of what it feels like. Like you can't score from there. That's impossible. Oh, it went in. I don't care. I don't understand. It also feels like uh, Aaliyah Edwards having like wide receiver caliber hands in the post uh, solves a lot of problems because she catches anything within like uh, within her wingspan is automatically caught. Aaliyah Edwards like, is like a tight end on this team, man. Like she, she can catch the ball and take contact at the same time. I am so obsessed with her game. Like we talk so much about how this team has struggled in recent years against teams with real post players. And she's only like six, two, but she can body with anyone and she will like throw an elbow, do what she's got to do. And I feel like between her like physicality and Ono's room protection, they can guard anybody. They can guard anybody. And the perimeter defense is great. Yeah, but it was like as soon as they solved the zone, especially in that third quarter too, like UConn went into a little bit of a zone and Syracuse was just fucking helpless. They couldn't pass the ball somebody three feet away without like Aubrey Griffin or Ono or uh, Edwards getting a hand on it. Yeah, I have to say, a lot of pick sixes. Peter doesn't like that. I enjoy that metaphor. (laughs) 
It doesn't it's make just, sense. You don't score six points. It's two it's points. It's a Who metaphor. Cares? It's a metaphor. It's not. But, but you know what it means. Sure it is. I would like a new term. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna you, side with Renee. Yeah, you can me, pitch uh, Renee. A rebel. The thing I really we'll enjoyed. We'll brainstorm. Renee was really delightful on the broadcast. She's like, I good. Really, I love her energy. She's like so excited, and I feel like she just brings. Like she has so much knowledge and I just felt like her commentary, like she would break down a play really well or just like give some insight into playing for Gino. It was like, like when Donnie is doing it, he's just talking shit constantly. And Renee just, I loved, I loved her energy. It was so fun to listen to. Like she was having a great time. It's crazy to me that they're not in the arena. I know. Another difference between the men's tournament and the women's tournament, but. So weird. Cause it, it like I do agree. Renee was great, but like I felt like I was reliving like every workday conference call when her and uh, Beth Mullins would just start talking over each other for a second, and they both stop, and I'm like, oh my god, this is like the awkwardness I live with every day for the last whatever, year. yeah, year plus. <laughs> you think we'd be good at it by now? Yeah, we're yeah. not. Nope. Nope. Never will be. Um, so talk to me about Iowa on Saturday. Obviously, uh, Caitlin Clark is bad and not as good as Paige Beckers. Uh, anything else we need to know about the Buckeyes? Yes, they are Paige Beckers, on that, uh, Also, that Caitlin Clark is bad and not as good as Aaliyah Edwards. Yep, that's right. Third, Third best, best freshman. freshman That's right. Yeah, uh, they're shit on defense. They absolutely cannot guard anyone off the dribble. Um, it, like I watched them play and anyone who tried to get into the lane could like the only reason Kentucky lost is Kentucky turned into the UConn men's basketball team when they played Maryland and like too soon, too soon sorry um, but like couldn't buy a bucket and they were getting any shot they wanted pretty much but uh, yeah Iowa can't guard anybody they're they're gonna get they're gonna get fucked they're gonna get a lot of points scored on them and I think it's gonna be interesting to see what actually happens because you know Caitlin Clark's they're only like real weapon. They have a couple other players who can like do a little bit, but when she's not on the floor, they are bad. So I think it's going to be interesting if to see if like someone can actually, you know, take her off her game. You know what Nika, I assume Nika will get the assignment, but maybe it'll be Christian Williams or maybe it'll be Paige. Maybe Paige is going to want it. Who knows? I feel like she's going to want it, but Gina's not going to give it to her. No, it doesn't. doesn't she's be like, I don't want you getting called for bullshit fouls. Let's have Nika go out there and get called for good fouls. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, blood drawing valves. <laughs> but I think it'll be. I think it's going to be. I mean, I think it'll be an interesting game. Uh, it's going to be fun to finally get the matchup and actually show these Iowa fans what a really good basketball team looks like because they haven't really had to play one yet. It's going to be funny when we beat them by sixty points and they're like, "Oh, I guess, I guess they it wasn't just bluster." Yeah, and I feel like, too, frankly, Paige's game is like. They're not going to be able to stop her on the dribble. They're not going to be able to. They don't have anybody who can guard her. So I don't know. I don't know what they're going to do. But I have a feeling Paige is, Paige is going to, Paige is going to do some shit. I'm strongly or, in favor of that. Or they also don't really have any like decent post players. Maybe Paige is just going to like get 20 assists. It's going to go either way. Either she's going to score 40 points, or she's going to get 20 assists on like 15 or points. Both. Just to be like, I can do whatever I want. I don't. I don't even need to score points. What? Uh, give me your uh, point estimate for Clark. She's gonna do. I think she's probably gonna score like 
20 points. I mean, at minimum, she's probably going to score 20 points. But, but on like I, 26 shots with eight turnovers. Yeah. yeah. It's not going to be a pretty game, but and she's going to have to work really hard for everything she gets. Yeah, I can't quite figure out like uh in my own in my own head my predictions whether I think they're just going to let her get all of her points and make the team work really hard for it and she'll end up with like 28 points but they'll lose by 32 or whether have like one assist. Yeah, or whether it's like a complete statement game and she goes like uh, you know, 4 for 18 and they just ruin her life. I mean, they have not faced a team this year who plays defense the way UConn does. So she has not faced this opponent yet. And I Who's think the best team in the Big Ten? Ireland. Yeah. Yeah. And they're they're good on defense, but they're not UConn good on defense. So then let's look uh, past the Buckeyes uh, to the Elite Eight, which is going to be Baylor, who is pretty much throat stomped <laughs> everyone in their two games. Guys scared of Baylor at all? Nah. I'm a little scared of Baylor. I fear no one. All right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I feel like at this point, you know, I don't think there's like Baylor's good, but I don't think their size is going to be the problem we feared it would be. I would feel slightly less uh, worried about it if UConn made more threes. Yeah. They were five for 15 against Syracuse. That's not going to hack it in an Elite Eight game, I don't think. I mean, it does feel so that is very low for their normals. They're usually a better three point shooting team than that. Yeah, I mean, it like, feels like if Westbrook or Williams are shooting well, it'll be fine. But if they're not, it could get dicey. Maybe. I mean, we'll see. I don't know. It's certainly it's also possible that Aaliyah scores twenty five points and Ono scores. You know, like the two of them have been scoring a lot in tandem, and I think having them on the floor together makes it harder to guard both of them, like individually, than it would be if they were on the floor, you know, alone. Um, because they can both pop out, you know, you, you can't just put a good post player in. like, you have to have somebody mobile guarding or they're going to bury you. Keeping them out of foul trouble seems like a noteworthy goal. I think it's so dependent on the refs because the refs have been absolute dog shit in all of these women's basketball games. Like they just straight up hosed Troy in that A&M game. They, I, they kind of almost just gave A&M another break, uh, Iowa State was up. I'm watching this game right now. Iowa State was up two with like 10 seconds left with the ball, and they called a girl for an elbow. So AM got the ball and they tied it with about four seconds left. AM is really overrated, in my opinion. They're slow as hell. Anything else on the women's team? Nice to see Gino back with the team, surviving the Ronus. Yep. Congrats. They seemed very excited to see him. I just, all, all I'm saying is Chris Daly's never lost a game. So. She's 12 and 0. I don't know. Maybe Gino should take a seat for a little bit. He's lost games. I've seen it. I'm looking forward to the online state of the women's basketball fandom on Saturday because I feel like everyone's head's going to like spin off their body. Some segment of the women's you know women's basketball fandom can't really handle the idea of like comparing players in the way we do in all of sport, and it's very bizarre. And I wish they would chill. Like we're just having fun. Let us enjoy this. This is fun. This is why this is why we do this. This yeah, whole like what, spectacle. What, what do you think the point of this? To these people? Like, I, I want to know who's better. That's why we're staging a competition. Holly Rowe advocating for bringing back ties. <laughs> and like everyone's the champion. 
like i understand the sort of defensiveness because there are so many people in the replies talking about how it's not a real sport but like you're not helping your case when you're like scolding people for behaving for treating women's athletes the same way you treat men's athletes which is talking about who's better like how many conversations have we heard about like lebron or michael jordan who's the best it's been going on since lebron got into the league like this is normal this is how you talk about sports um all right let's uh pivot to the men whose season ended uh this week when they completely no-showed against maryland i'm still mad this is a nice even ratio since Meech and I uh, had to fight the world in the Slack channel for 24 <laughs> hours. Um, let's start with the Maryland game. What went wrong, Meech? Uh, they didn't make a gosh darn layup, uh, Tyler. That's... Or any other kind of shot. Or any other kind. Um, how, many, how many rebounds did they have in the first half? It was like 23 offensive rebounds or some shit. They finished with 22 for the game. I think it was like 14 or 15 in the first half. How many field goals did they have in the game? In the game, they had 21 field goals. So fewer field goals than offensive rebounds. That's right. That's How tough to that do. Happen? It, it, How Exact same according to sports ref, 21 each. Well, um, that's yeah, still I'm, quite bad. I'm looking at Kempom, but I don't know what like, they do differently. Nerd fight. I just, they couldn't just put, like they were right at the basket, right like there. That's an offensive rebound, you're there. getting uh 21 offensive rebounds and still shooting you know 32 percent from the field uh for the game seems not great Mm -mm. also not being able to make threes going seven for 23 probably not not helping missing missing seven of your 12 free throws not great not great not great Forgetting to play defense uh, after being a great defensive team all year and letting uh, Maryland have a true shooting percentage of 63%. Not great. Yeah, I got to say, it really, like, you could tell that this is a team that has not gotten to have a postseason experience. Well, so, like, break this down. Is, do you guys think this is, there's there was a preparation issue, or do you think it was just them being bad? I think they're just bad. I mean, probably to a degree, but like they just missed shots. Like I don't, right. it's not, you know, I don't know. I don't know. I, it's hard to say. Cause when you hear Hurley say out loud where he knows people can hear him that they don't really concern themselves with offense <laughs> as coaches, that concerns me. And I feel like we've seen results that, uh, that, seems to make sense sometimes when I watch us play and we don't really seem to have a real coherent plan for what the offense is going to do if guys aren't hitting shots. So So it was wild to me that Jalen Gaffney ended up being the most effective player and we didn't even get him until like five minutes were left in the game. And then dude just starts like slicing and dicing to the hoop. And I think he made most of his layups. I think he, or uh, free throws. I think he only missed like one of four or something like that. And I was like, this guy has gotten most of our points. He's the only effective scorer. And like, why weren't we doing this before? Now? Megan's a big Jalen Gaffney stand. I mean, I am, but I, I also think, I feel like someone who you know can, at minimum, even if your offense isn't working, he can drive to the hoop and get to the free throw line. Like, he's proven at minimum he can score you points in that way. If your offense isn't working, why aren't you going to that option? Yeah, I, I think I'm 
the ship has sailed for me on Gaffney ever being a full-time starting point guard, but he's a very interesting piece on the bench because he does a number of things well. Like he's very good at generating looks for himself that he's can, he can get a mid-range jumper whenever he wants. And he's really good at getting to the rim and finishing through contact and getting fouled. I so, do think when he's a, when he's playing with confidence and he's, he's actually looking to score, he's a very, really good player. He just is not there yet in yeah. terms of, I think it, himself or I, whatever. If you can bank in, in every back, three, I feel like there's a big bright future I, ahead for him. I swear nobody makes it seem like they're doing it on purpose more than him. Like he uses the glass a weird amount for a guard. Well, when, I, you, I, when you shoot threes at 185 miles an hour, you know. <laughs> I mean, I banking just, in it is probably a better option at that point. <laughs> I feel like if he comes in next year and he's you know, made a jump, particularly in his confidence and is a little more consistent, he could slide into book spot in the lot in the lineup and be kind of a go-to scorer. I mean, I think he's got the ability. I think that's a, you know, a, uh, I don't think he's ever going to be quite, I don't think he's going to be a 20 point a game guy like book, but I think he could be a guy who sco- scores 14 a game. That would shock me, but be cool. It wouldn't be the craziest thing I've ever seen for a guy to get this game together, you know, junior year and uh, yeah, I would uh, he would also <laughs> need to overpass or overtake uh, a lot of guys who should be getting those shots, which means if like if we're at a point where Gaffney's scoring 14 points, it either means a lot of guys are way worse than we thought or Gaffney like took a superhuman step forward. I mean, I look, I am excited about next year, but we don't there aren't a lot of there's nobody on there. I'm like that guy's definitely going to be like a go-to guy on offense. Like I don't know who the go-to guy is going to be next year. Trey Mitchell. Maybe it'll be Sonogo. <laughs> Maybe it'll be Cole. Maybe it'll be Martin. Maybe it'll be Gaffney. Maybe it'll be Diggins. a Cook or or Diggins or Hawkins. Maybe one of the freshmen comes in and is hot. I don't know. Andre Jackson comes back and can Maybe, shoot. Yeah, maybe Jackson. You know, I mean, <laughs> there's a ton of ability there. <laughs> Like, I don't know what exactly he's going to do to be a great offensive player, but, like, it wouldn't cr- blow my mind if he got really good at, like, getting to the rim and scored a lot of points. Be- before we get too far down into the next year rabbit hole, I wanted to I – th- I think the thing that drives me the most crazy about this year's team, other than the, like, wild inconsistency of individual players, is that they were just incapable of – like making a play happen within the first 15 seconds of the shot clock when they were down big. How do you get down eight and you have two and a half minutes left and use 28 seconds on every fucking possession? So frustrating. Yeah, it sucks shit. But to not be able to adapt for that like completely predictable situation, that feels like a failing to me. Yeah, I feel like Hurley needs to do some soul searching this off season and think, all right, you can definitely win games. If you just play the shit out of defense and rebound the ball, like maniacs, like you can win a lot of games that way, but your ceiling's going to be limited. If you don't start really working on a coherent offense, the two, the pieces are there. Like the, it's not like he doesn't have the guys. Yeah. I also just think the way, like players turn over in the college game, his strategy of relying on individuals to generate all of their own offense is just not sustainable. Like 
you need to have multiple books on the roster for this team to win and they can't have bad nights and like what are you got to hit on all those guys in recruiting total and what are the odds that those guys stay long enough to keep overlapping over and over again like what like you need to left after one year what we would have been we would have lost five more games this year yeah, you're basically creating a situation where you need to bring in a guy who will be an immediate contributor as a scorer and will, by his sophomore year, be a go-to guy. Right. And you need to do that every season. Right. And develop and you your upperclassmen. And this is this is the issue that Virginia runs into, is they play all this great defense, but sometimes they just can't score any fucking points. Right. And, you know, they generally win a lot. And maybe Hurley can get the team to that point where they win a lot all the time but it's just hideous on a pretty regular basis. And I, you know what? Fine. I would love to be UVA right now. Absolutely. But I'd rather be Gonzaga. Yeah, that'd be cool. So Jalen Suggs, transfer to UConn. Right. Make a hat. We can, let's shit post the Jalen Suggs to UConn. Can we do it? I don't know. I don't have anything else to say about the Maryland games. Does anyone else before we do more like big picture stuff? It's entirely too depressing. I mean, I, I, I get, eternal sunshine it from my brain. <laughs> I guess going back to the, the the offense thing, just really quickly, um, I, I was pretty disappointed in the way they did not adjust to book being triple teamed, and to some extent, you got to make shots to to do that. But you know, book turned it over a few times, trying to force it. It didn't seem like we had much movement to get people open shots when there were open guys. Um, that's probably, I would say, the biggest concern I've got with Hurley going forward. Yeah. The other annoyance of that game was like, it also felt like Maryland just didn't really do anything spectacular. Like, it's one thing if one really hot player beats you or if a team, like, has some sort of, like, fluky <laughs> performance or if they're just much better than you and run you off the court, like what happened to Maryland two days after they beat UConn. But... To just watch a team that, like, really was not that good just dismantle UConn for most of the game was, like, really hard to watch. That was depressing. A team that's so lack lacking that their fans want to push their coach out. <laughs> and he's probably going to leave because he's like, this isn't working. There's also something really annoying about when we say something on a podcast, like, Eric Ayala is a tough matchup because he's got a lot of size on Cole and that's going to be hard. It'll be interesting to see what happens. And then Eric Ayala like destroys Cole and it's like, God damn it. Our podcast was right. That shouldn't happen. Yeah. 23 points and 14 shots. He was the best player on the court, which yeah, is problematic. The, he was mostly because he went to high school in fucking Connecticut. <laughs> well, but he was in the class in what? 20. 18 because he's a junior right he's he's junior yeah so that was the year we didn't really we got brendan adams that was our recruiting class because we fired our coach like that's the you know that's the deal you have a year where you're not going to get the guys and this particular guy came back and fucked us hard not to blame coach mamadou diara for this (laughs) (laughs) all right let's talk uh more uh like reflections on the season what um like, are you, are you, how satisfied are you? I think this is where uh, Beach and I are the pessimists of the group. I mean, it's not like a 
total disappointment. I mean, we made the we made progress. We made the tournament. I'm not. I was hoping for more, certainly. But I'm over it, and I'm ready to move on, and hopefully, see more progress. You know, the, the team will overall be more. We'll lose book, but overall, there will be more talent. There will be more highly ranked guys on the roster next year. I mean, you think about it. We we gave a lot of minutes and a lot of shots to guys who were like ranked 180th in the country and who turned into decent players, but aren't like superstars. And now we're bringing in much more highly ranked players and those guys are moving on. So hopefully you, you know, as I'm saying, you see those results start to build. If they don't, if this is what we are, we become, we become a team that usually makes the tournament, maybe wins a game, maybe not. That will be, I'll be sad. If that's that's our future, yeah, that's kind well, of where that's kind of where I'm at. Like, I I feel like what the next two years look like is going to determine how I feel about this year. The way the season ended and the way the team could not function without book functioning has me nervous for next year. Of what happens with an offense when you remove the best offensive player. Um, no, we said that every year. But we've lost our best offensive player three years in a row. We lost Jalen, then we lost Vital, and now we're losing Book. And somebody steps in. You know, he—that's the thing. He keeps bringing in talented guys. It, unless it's be somebody. unless it's 2017, and a bunch of talented guys come on the roster, and you're bad. But the, I if next year's team is a tournament team with a you know equivalent seven eight seed or better. I think we'll look back at this year and be like, yeah, okay, this is when they established that they are like a world-class defensive team, a great rebounding team, and the year that we figured out, you know, what the limits of this offense are without great offensive players. And I think that's a perfectly fine place for this team to be. If it turns out that they just can't score points and are super inconsistent next year and lose a few more games or maybe don't make the tournament, I think we're going to look back at this year's team and be like, wow, I can't believe we had James Booknight, a 20-point uh, a game scorer that this team might not be capable of replicating in Dan Hurley's offense. And we might look back at this as like a huge missed opportunity, especially with the way they fell apart in the two elimination games. Or whatever. Well, I feel the, two, like the two final tournament games they played. If if Hurley's not going to last that long, if this is the high point of what he produces here, because like that's what Ali did. Actually, a little Ali won the conference tournament and then won a tournament game. Yeah, you know we were expecting more from that team because it was so deep and balanced, and just never quite got where you thought it should be. It always so, felt like we, that team needed like three more weeks. Like they were just they were coming on so strong at the end they just weren't like quite quite there yet yeah i think you know if they had snuck past kansas and we would have a totally different outlook on that season yeah but it then you look at the next couple of years and things went completely to shit and you realize oh that was his ceiling as a coach that was the best he was going to do the way he started coaching after 2014 whatever happened i don't know but like obviously you know he was not getting that getting us back to being a, a threat nationally. So what do you guys think books sort of historical place in Yukon history is? 
I think he's he's somewhere between Drummond and Rudy Gay in terms of how we'll remember him. That's a gap. (laughs) It. I mean, is it? Who's a better player at UConn, James Booknight or Daniel Hamilton? Booknight's a better player, certainly. Yeah. Is he? Um. Oh, absolutely. He was a better college player than Hamilton. Remember Hamilton shot like 38% for his career? He was also the de facto point guard, the best passer on the team, and arguably the best rebounder on every team that didn't have Sean Miller on it. Sure, but... Which was one team. (laughs) I mean, it's not like he was, you know, I was ever watching him playing like, oh yeah, this guy's, he's the guy who wins games for you. Like the the year he he was our go-to guy, was the year we were just talking about that we ended up pretty disappointed. And that was a team where he had a ton of help. I'm pretty disappointed in this year's team, though. I mean, I guess I just statistically book night, I think is a better player. I think there's a reason he's going to probably be a lottery pick and Hamilton went undrafted. I also think we probably shouldn't like draw too many conclusions from the hell season. Like let's, let's like, in perspective here the fact that this season did happen in the middle of a pandemic and like you know obviously it didn't go as well as we would have hoped but i'm not i'm not sure it's wise to draw too many conclusions on the basis of how this season ended if for no other reason then this is a you know his third season and every year there's been dramatic increases in you know the the ken palm or whatever rating you want to pick for this team so i think it's like yeah, the ending is not what we wanted. That game was dog shit. But I, I don't I don't want to draw too many more conclusions beyond the fact that I do think this team did improve over last year, and that team improved over the year before. And if next year's team continues to improve, then, you know, I'm good to go. And, and I think it'll be more relevant how next year's team does because that's the, you know, you're saying, like, they have to bring in a new person every, you know, year, but that's college basketball. And if he can't bring that person in every, you know, year or two, then that's a problem and you find a new coach. But I think any coach is going to have to bring in a new player every year or two to do that job because that's that's the turnover for college basketball. There's nobody's going to stay long. Anybody good enough to to be – to make this team great is going to be gone in two years. I, I, I guess my thought is it's a difference between – we need that guy to be elite and we need that guy for our offense to function. Right. Like, but I guess my, my point is I don't, you know, other than a handful of teams and most of those teams are your, your various Kansas, Kentucky's, whatever, who are bringing in these one and done dude. Like most of them don't have these like Yukon women ask offenses where there's this, like, it's a lot of pick and roll and ISO shit. Like I don't, I don't know that there's, there really is the need to run this kind of like, like, yeah, I think there needs to be some more sets. There needs to be some more like plan than they had this year. But I also, I also don't know how much of that was due to the fact that they also were doing this in the middle of the pandemic and missing chunks of, of time all season long. And, you know, if you're going to have to pick one defense is the one you want to pick. I, like I said, I, I hope he makes more adjustments next year. Yeah. I think if, you know, if we can get to the point where we can still have a respective offense, respectable offense with, you know, guys like Cole and, and Martin as your primary offensive guys, that's not your first choice when you're building a team. But we've in the, you know, when Calhoun was coached, there were years we didn't have a great offensive option. And 
you figured something out or you didn't and you went the NIT if you were lucky. Yeah, I mean, I think also there's a lot of question marks too. Like, are we getting Isaiah Whaley back? Because I feel like that's a big difference between how good next year's team can be is whether or not we get Isaiah Whaley back next year. Yeah, that'll it'll be very interesting to see what happens with all those seniors. Because, I mean, if I'm like, obviously Adams has already decided he's leaving. If I'm Carlton, if I want to play another year of college basketball, there are a lot of places I will start. And you can go down closer to home, someplace like, you know. ECU. ECU or College of Charleston or something. You know, there are a number of Sunbelt teams, App State. Like you'll go and you'll play and you'll be, you'll, you know, you've had, you've, or whatever else. I don't know what the future holds for a guy like that. But if he wants to stick around, great. He's a, he's a solid option as a reserve center. Uh, but I wouldn't expect him to. Whaley, maybe, because he'll, he'll probably still start. Or Polly is the only three point shooter on next year's roster. <laughs> well, we'll see what Hawkins can do, but. But I mean, you know, someone who's kind of like a specialist like that when there isn't necessarily a great three-point shooting option and who probably isn't going to really compete for minutes other than like hot hand off the bench, you know, like maybe Tyler probably wants to go get his MBA. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I, but he's another guy. If he decides to drop down a level, he's just, he's a lock starter. He's playing Do you think Brendan Adams is going to go? Do you think he's going to go play for the Bonnies? Maybe because he's from Baltimore, right? Yeah, isn't that where his brother plays? Played? Did he play? I don't know. Played. That was a number of years ago. Um, but I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what he's looking to do. I haven't really gotten a read on that. If he's because if he goes to St. Bonaventure, he'll play. Well, a kid who graduates with a was it finance or econ? Like he, he graduated with a real degree. In three years, he might he might have some actual like educational. Yeah, uh, he might go somewhere interest. to uh, he might go for the learning. He's gonna go yeah, play at got, Johns Hopkins. He's got two years. Like you can get you can get some fancy degrees in within two years. Yeah, go off. Yeah, get your I don't know master's in whatever, man. All I mean, of this is um, I I made kind of a joke about Trey Mitchell earlier, even though I'm not joking at all, and I want him to get Trey Mitchell. But I I'm less interested in Carlton and Polly and to a certain degree Whaley, although I agree he would be more useful than if they can get some good transfers, especially some with some shooting or scoring ability with those. Yeah. I mean, if we can get Trey Mitchell, we, I, that he would be an obvious, like, yeah, that's your starting power forward next year. That's Sonogo and Mitchell together. Oh my God. Court, you're going to eat people alive. It'll be fun as hell, honestly. It'd be like the 1980s biggies, just huge dudes just smashing into people. It'd be fun as hell. It would be like the 06 team. No, the 05 team, because Mitchell's really more like Charlie Villanueva, I think. That would be fun. I also, I don't know what Freeman's relationship is, but Myron Jones from Penn State is in the transfer portal, and I like Myron Jones. Scored 15. Three-point shooter. Yeah, 15 a game for Penn State on like 40% three-point shooting. Six three guard. Get, I would take that. I would absolutely take that. K free holler. There are a absolute metric ton of transfers this year. So many. John Rothstein is furious. <laughs> That's all I really had on my uh, super quick 
bullet point list. Anything hey, else we on should, the men's team? What's up, Megan? We should shout. We should shout our uh, women's lax daughter. Uh, uh, Sydney has been absolutely fucking killing it. Our daughter Sydney. Sydney Watson. She she's been scoring an absurd number of goals. She scored what five in the last couple of games ago? She's the best lacrosse player in America, and I feel very confident saying that, not knowing any others. Honestly, she might be the best midfielder in the country. I know. Biggie's midfielder like, of the week, like two weeks in a row. I'd yeah. say that as someone who actually does understand lacrosse and like looked for a while, like, oh, her numbers are really fucking good. good. But I say this as someone who received a handwritten letter from Sydney Watson thanking me for giving money to her school. And becoming our daughter. Right. Right. That's what that that's what happens actually. If you send Tyler a letter, you are an automatically an adoptee of a dime back. That's I, how that works. I cut out her signature from the letter and pasted it on the adoption certificate. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, but she uh she she rules. And I I believe we slapped around Marquette a couple of times recently, so that's always fun. Maybe we are two and zero in the big east. I have no idea who's good in that league, but let's win it. Let's win it and go to the tournament. Listen, I will always, I don't care what sport it is. If we get a tournament trophy or a conference uh, regular season trophy that says Big East on it, I want it. Wasn't there some year when like UConn was in like an arm wrestling thing? And (laughs) (laughs) we will find ways to find everything. Do you remember this speech? I feel like it was like a a no escalators bit. It it was like some ESPN the Ocho thing I think, but it was yeah. it was a college arm wrestling tournament, and I believe the guy still follows us, the UConn entrant, and he got to the finals and lost to the Rutgers guy, who probably got busted for steroids. So we actually won that. Right. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's canon. The other cool thing that happened this week is Elliott uh, Ballpark officially had its inaugural game. Uh, Base Bus finally got to play in their beautiful new ballpark apparently jim calhoun came which is very adorable court court penders that's very adorable but yeah i'm i'm so like i it's so pretty and like we should all be there like sneaking sips of purloined bevet beverages that we should not have brought into the park and watching baseball outside but this dreaded rona has ruined all of our fun who are you purloining beverages from that wasn't really the right word teens <laughs> Megan's, Megan's buying that. beers off the TikTok use outside <laughs> of the baseball stadium. Stealing from some random frat boys, you know. Megan's dressed in her say- 90s uh, throwback gear. <laughs> How do you do, fellow kids? Except it's not actually throwback. I just went into my closet. And <laughs> yeah, <some> exactly. <laughs> I, I will say it's a shame we didn't get the vaccines like two months earlier because like this is the most possible sports that has ever happened at once. And it would have been really dope to go to a couple games at Elliott Ballpark on a weekend, go to a soccer game, go to a field hockey game, go to a uh, women's lax game and a ho- uh, ice hockey game, like in a, in a span of a weekend. That would have been dope as hell. But alas. That sounds like a Meech weekend. <sighs> Honestly, I, I would pay at least $150 for all of that. All to sit in the stands and watch cricket on your phone, huh? That's right. <laughs> Shout out West Indies. Tense, like five times. Yeah, I miss sports, guys. I miss being able to go into a sporting venue with other I human miss, beings. I miss being in the same room as other people. Yeah. Speaking to them. Listen, as, soon as, as soon as we get jabs, field trip. <laughs> 
to a location with beverages and preferably sporting events as well. Hey, can I so give you we... a uh, a quick Donovan Klingon update? He uh, this is via Scored 140 points, had 96 rebounds, and <laughs> close. This is via Sean McFarland from the Current, who uh, is doing good on the Donovan Klingon beat, but. Uh, apparently uh, Bristol Central advanced to, I don't know, whatever, some sort of championship game. I don't know whatever league they're in. But Klingon scored uh, 36 points and had 27 rebounds tonight in the semifinal. <laughs> Is that so, good? So in the last two games, so there's been two games in the, uh, so apparently it's the CCC, Triple C, I don't know, tournament. Oh I literally had know nothing about Connecticut High School. Central sports. Connecticut our, Conference, baby. Our high school was was in the CCC back when we were there. Yeah. So in his in his two games against Windsor and Northwest Catholic, he's averaging thirty seven point five points, twenty seven rebounds, and six blocks per game. Their last game, they played Windsor, and like Windsor's usually good, and he had a triple double against them. Yeah, I yeah, feel I like, uh, like when you're talking about like uh, Shaq, like good is relative. <laughs> Did you guys see that video floating around of the high school kid who challenged Scalabrini and Scal just absolutely worked him? It was fucking hilarious. How do you think you're going to beat an NBA player? You're like, like, I know it's Scalabrini, but like still. I refuse well, to Scal- consume Scalabrini still- content. As Scal he's- would say, he's closer to LeBron than you are to him. So. <laughs> he was, he was, at some point, he was one of the 400 best basketball players in the world, and you were not. Yeah, and he like made literally I challenge that college. assertion, but yes, okay, <laughs> yeah, but yeah, no, it's uh, I, the pictures in the paper are fucking hilarious of Donovan Klingon because he's like a foot taller than everyone else, like a solid foot, maybe plus taller than everybody else, and it's just, yeah, man, they can't stop him. He had ten blocks in the last game, ten, ten blocks. I want like, him so bad. Man. In my imagination, like his game film, like his mixtapes are all in black and white and they look like Wilt Chamberlain. <laughs> he's surprisingly mobile for a seven foot two, 16 year old white kid. He's, he's just dunking on five, 10 kids. There's no three point line anywhere. It's all on reel to reel and you're watching like, <laughs> in between movies for some reason. <laughs> I will say I, the CCC I, final. I, I, I hope he commits soon because I would like to just get him on board and move on. But I will not necessarily believe he can be a great college player until I see him play against someone over 6'2". I, I don't know how anyone watches these mixtapes and, and discerns any level of actual talent. He does play in like a real AAU team, even though he isn't playing for a real high school team. He does he does occasionally have actual competition. And like, you know, he's being recruited by... All sorts of big name programs who are also, much smarter than me. I just think it's hilarious every time I see one of these uh, videos of him just yamming on a 13 year old kid. He does appear also to be able to make his free throws, which is these are other high schoolers, I promise you. I don't know. I think they set like up the camera on the tripod like, and he walks into like the middle school gym class at Bristol and just like honks all over these kids. Yeah, only they only do that in Minnesota. This is we don't we don't do that. When do we think he's gonna commit? I hope it's soon. I don't know. I mean, he's a 2022 kid. It's pretty unusual yeah. to to be committed in March of your junior year. I want to know. I feel like he'll probably rec- will, he'll probably commit in the fall. First night, baby. I hope he'll. Yeah, that would be that would roll actually. I've been thinking more about the possibility that Kamani is going to leave this offseason. Oh. 
there are a lot of jobs open. There are a lot of jobs open. And people have been high. A lot of assistants are getting jobs. And I feel like he's one of the more attractive ones for a smaller New York area school. And I feel like there's one very obvious one. Actually, there are two now. Iona when Rick Patino yeah. goes, <laughs> goes, goes to, to Texas. <laughs> Reminder, Patino has a $10 million buyout. <laughs> He's not leaving Iona. Yeah, that's, that's lunch money at Texas. All right. If Texas wants to pay his $10 million buyout, that would, that would be amazing. That would be really funny, and I hope it happens. God, that's the, exactly the kind of dumb thing Texas would do. It is, hear, actually. Hear out. Patino does another sex scandal, gets fired, goes to Indiana. <laughs> I'm telling you, my dark horse prediction is he brings Iona to the Final Four in like two years, and then the Knicks hire him. <laughs> or he goes to jail. <laughs> honestly they, i mean they were in that game with alabama much more than maryland was yep. like they mm-hmm. and they were not super talented but yeah i, I watched it, that game they were hanging patino man he as much as we like to joke about all of the patino-ness of him he sure can fucking coach i wish he went to depaul honestly i want to i want to play against Rick patino he yeah. still can that would be fun that would have ruled that would have ruled really hard did they yeah, hire I think somebody? I could see Kamani uh, ending up at like I, either Hofstra or Fordham. I think he could do well at either of those places. And no, DePaul has not hired anybody yet, but um, it sounds like it's going to be Kenny Payne. All right. Is Fordham really a good job? Like Hofstra, you could win I'm, there. But I'm kind of with nobody, you on this. Nobody can win at Fordham. I think you can win if you're in New York City and you can recruit decent New York City players, you can win in any league. I think for me, the question is more, is that the best path to get to a better job or is it hanging on at UConn and making them like, you know, if you're associate and you get to like two, three sweet 16s in the next five years at UConn, that's probably too long for him, too long of a time you know, frame. But you know what I mean? Is that point. a better, I feel like that's a better path to get a better job. Because there have Maybe been a I'm couple of really power five schools that have hired assistants. I mean, Penn State just hired Shrewsbury. Minnesota hired um, Ben Johnson. Or even uh, not like at that level, like just going somewhere like a better mid-major. Somewhere where it's easier to win than Fordham. Well, what's the target? I mean, when Schmidt got to St. Bonaventure, they were dog shit. If, you, if you're good, you can win the A-10. It's not that tough a league. Like, who, who can you not handle in the A-10? Who should Fordham be like, well, we'll never reach that level? Dan Hurley. Isn't he an A-10 coach? Shut up. I don't you think our listeners watch- have any context for that joke, so that's going to be fun. You always got to watch out for Temple in the A10. I mean, <laughs> and UMass. Program to watch. Temple, Xavier, <laughs> Butler, Boston College, <laughs> Providence, Syrac- Syracuse. <laughs> yeah. If uh, if Kamani leaves this offseason, any uh, potential replacements? I mean, Leto would be my number I, one. I was hoping you would say Leto because I wanted to say Leto. I mean, but like, I mean, he's, you know, he's a guy the program knows. I like Dave Leto and we know he can recruit 
and he recruits very well in a city that this program plays in every year. We're going to be in DePaul every year. We're going to be playing games in Chicago every year. We should be recruiting Chicago, and he can do that. He also had a pretty impressive track record coaching bigs while he was at UConn. Yeah, I think he's a good coach. I just don't think he can run his own program. I don't think he can. I don't think he can win at DePaul, which is true of a lot of people. So he was there from '96 to '02. So he did coach both Freeman and Talik, who are on the current staff. Just saying, there yeah. are va- there are about va- like there's connections and validators there that go beyond just we remember Dave Lito. Yeah. So I think you know I think that could be if. Kamani leaves. I mean, my preference would be for Kamani to stay. Yeah, I was going to say, wait. Dramatically underrepresented Lato. He was also there from 86 to 94 because I was like, wait a minute. It was he pre was... before he went to Northeastern. Yeah. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah he so. was there from 86 to 94, then he was gone for two years, and then he was there from 96 to 2002. So he also coached with yeah. Tom Moore. Yeah. Yeah, great great point. In my mind, I was just trying to pair him with Talik to see if that made sense because I remembered him on uh, the 99 team, 99 squad. Because but... I so met him and... Fit. Yeah, it would it would be nice, and you know, honestly, that would be cool. Like, it's worked pretty well for women's basketball bringing Jamel back. Like, I feel like having those you know comfortable connections is is always a benefit. And and Tom Moore, you know, and, and I Tom also Moore. like when you have people on staff who have been head coaches. Yeah, agreed. Yeah, I thought it was so funny when people were somebody. Yeah, I forgot who it was. Was like, and Chris Daly only has Jamel Elliott to help you know. Help her out. And I was like, Jamel Elliott. You mean the former head coach, Jamel Elliott, who was an assistant for an absurd number of years. I was like, just Jamel Elliott? Come on now. I was like, just about Jamel Elliott? I was very offended by that. Yeah. You don't You well, don't need more than Jamel I Elliott. I was more offended that they, at the suggestion, we needed a coach to beat Syracuse. <laughs> <laughs> just When Nico went out injured, she should have just gotten the clipboard. Yeah. Listen, Autumn, did you did you watch the uh, the video of who should be the coach? And they talked to Autumn at the end, and she was like, starting all bigs. It's just an all big lineup, just buckets on buckets. And I was like, did Tyler Tyler write this bit? Hey, I prefer guards when the guards are good. I just have no interest in watching Cole Gaffney and Adams on the court together. <laughs> Listen, I remember when we drafted our UConn team, you had like seven bigs. It was absurd. Oh, that was just a value proposition. <laughs> I hoarded yeah, guards. You, know, you hoarded eggs. Um, yeah, I, I was can, gonna say. Which one to talk about unbalanced rosters? I can yeah, get. I can I'm, get guards later. I'm taking Okafor. I'm a noted guard uh, fan, though. I, I was never... so sure you were gonna take Danielle first because of your love of Danielle. Okafor, man, that's fine. I took Danielle third. That worked out for me. Okafor is uh, an all-time great at UConn, like Daniel Hamilton. <laughs> And Doug Wren. I love Doug Wren. <laughs> I, I was thinking about this today. I think my two, like, because, uh, you know, like if somebody asked me who my favorite UConn player is ever, I'm saying Shabazz. But if you ask me who the, my favorite UConn players are that are, like, completely bizarre picks, I think Albert Mooring and Doug Wren are my two that, like. <laughs> my Quetzio Hardnet's mine. Is it? See, everyone's oh, got absolutely. got one. one that one. Yep, there you go. Mine's also Monquency Hartnett. Is wow. You will be unsurprised to learn. One of you guys is going to have to switch. This is unreasonable. <laughs> <laughs> you can John Gwynn. That's my other one. Okay. Oh, and Slash. Oh, well, yeah. Slash, Slash and the, like, Slash and uh, Neils. There's, like, a few that are, like, universally beloved, I feel like. Oh, 
or like Ricky Moore. Ricky Moore is a good one. I feel like Sheffer's a good one. Sheffer's always in that category. Not weird enough. Yeah. Same thing with with Sheffer. Like those guys were legitimately really good. And in Ricky Moore's case, he was a captain on a national championship team. That's true. Like I wouldn't think it was that weird if someone's favorite player was Rashmal Jones either. That'd be a little weird. Um, less weird than like Monquencio Hartnett. I feel like Avina Westbrook is this team's this year's Ricky Moore. Like our glue player, you know. Can't shoot. Get some steals. <laughs> yeah, she can shoot. She can she just shoot. that same sort of streaky. Westbrook not being able to shoot for games at a time drives me crazy, and I feel like I'm not allowed to talk about it. <laughs> Because then she like gets a very disrespectful block, and you remember why you. Also, she's this great passer. She rules. Yeah, she I she's a little too- like uh, she's like the super. I think we made this exact same point, but she's like the supercharged version of Tyrese Martin, who can occasionally go cold, and then you still look at the stat sheet and realize that they've like Nine dominated rebounds, every other part of the game. Yeah. Well, I think too like. She just brings a lot of maturity to a very immature team. Like they need someone who's a little more grown up occasionally to just like Yeah. Be like, hey, put know, the swords away. We have work to do. Right. You know, get things <laughs> under control. Like you can tell, I would think Paige is the one who said that she's like, you know, the heart and soul of the team. And I, I you can kind of feel that when she's on the court. Like she's, you know, sort of central to a lot of what happens. Also, I really love the way she passes in transition as well. There's like a whole bunch of people on that team who are absurdly good at passing and transition and it's fun as hell to watch yeah she rules she she, i mean she's like the great example of like that would be uh it would be really really awesome to watch tyrese martin if he had amazingly talented teammates at every position like (laughs) it's like she goes one for six and you don't notice because she they're winning by 80 points and everyone else is shooting 70 percent yeah it's a nice uh nice little bonus few assists a few steals maybe a block or two and she's a good rebounder too yeah she is she's tough like she's just a really tough player <clears throat> yeah she's a little do, attitude do you guys have women's players that you irrationally like at the same maybe duran irrationally it's why hard, did you wink like... at the camera when you said that i did not <laughs> wink. i just was very excited to tell you why are you holding up a copy of her home address? <laughs> like, did you cut those letters out of a magazine for that note? What are you? What are you doing? I feel like it's hard to have irrational favorites because, like, all of the favorites are fucking awesome. Like, right? Like, you got to go like eighty deep before you're. I know. I'm trying to even think of a good one. Like, I love Jen Rosati, but like, Jen Rosati was a Player of the Year. You know, like, it's. There's it's, there's too many really good ones. Yeah, I feel maybe on the women's team, Rosati counts. Like Gabby's one for me. Like she'll never Rita be, Williams. you know, someone that would be in that. Yeah, Reed is a good one. Someone that would be in that Space like. Uh, like if we were doing the seeds, right? They'd probably be like a five or six seed. I don't think Stacey Hansmeyer is a five or six. No, seed. not but Gabby would be. Yeah, Re- yeah Gabby Re- was Re- really good. Rita would be. Yeah, Gabby might be Re- higher. We haven't done Re- this Re- in a while. Probably a top twenty-five player we've ever had. We could do this. I will periodically do a five deep depth chart. I have a spreadsheet. Players. Yeah, that's I what I'm say, talking about. I would say I would say Renee is probably mine. Is she count? Yeah. No, Renee was amazing. She counts. She, she, was, she was the third seed. best player on her own team. She would team. be a top five point guard, certainly. 
Yeah, she's a top five seed for me. She's a top four seed for me. I think she's probably the 16 seed for me. God, it's it's so hard. Yeah, I love her like, name, but you know, you got name was awesome. Turns out you don't love her that much, Meech. Turns out Peter is the Renee fan. No, I'm just trying to be a Renee hipster here. Renee rules. All right, everybody. Thanks for listening to the Dimeback Podcast. Until next time, (laughs) see you later. Keep all of it. Don't cut any of it.